Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hey, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is top marketer, blogger, and author, Danny Eney. Go to firepolemarketing.com to find out more. Danny, thank you for being on the show with me today. Joey, thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. I think we're going to have some fun. Danny, how did you get into marketing? Um, I, I got into marketing the way a lot of marketers got into marketing, which is I started out as an entrepreneur who didn't even realize he was an entrepreneur, um, working on building a bunch of businesses and acquiring experience by doing that, both building businesses and, and you know, crashing businesses into the ground, as, as the case may have been in, in, in some parts of my uh, my career. And you kind of learn from experience. And at some point, you wake up from all this stuff you're doing and you realize that the missing piece to making it all work is the marketing piece. And you realize you've actually gotten quite good at it by virtue of being involved in so many different businesses. So how did I get involved in marketing? Kind of by accident. Today, you're really well known for a very specific type of marketing. Um, there's two ways to say it, perhaps uh, engagement marketing or audience marketing. Um, you basically help people to learn how to build an audience and keep their attention. So could you explain further what is engagement marketing? What is audience marketing? Sure. So the the basic paradigm that underlies everything I teach is that if nobody knows you, nobody likes you, nobody trusts you, selling anything is hard. If tons of people know you and like you and trust you, selling most things are easy. And in a lot of ways, marketing has gotten away from that very basic reality. Um, I use, there are a bunch of examples that I, I use to illustrate this, right? Like, you know, in the world of copywriting, we're all so enamored and infatuated with the languaging, the words, the, the patterns that are going to convince people to buy. But it's really much less about the words and much more about the context in which the words are presented. And, and you know, the example I use is the same. I think it's nine words, which are, you know, hey, come here, I want to show you something. Right, simple words, no, no crazy wordsmithing, and so imagine that it's your friend saying that at a barbecue. So he says, "You go over there." Of course, you go over there because he's your friend, and it doesn't matter. You know, he doesn't have to do a lot of convincing. Now, imagine it's a stranger that looks kind of sketchy, gesturing down a dark alley. You don't go over there, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not so up for that one. And and there's no amount of wordsmithing that makes that stranger as compelling as your friend. And so you can spend your life studying Eugene Schwartz and Gary Vincevenga and John Carlton and whoever and learn to weave these, you know, neuro-linguistic marketing magic spells that will hypnotically get people to do things. Or you can just create a context where it makes sense for them to trust you. <laughs> and, and that's so much easier. And so that's what I teach people how to do. I teach people how to find the people who are going to resonate with your ideas and your message and your values and connect with them, build relationships with them, and that forms into your audience. And you serve that audience, and then when you want to sell stuff, people are already there waiting and predisposed to buy. 
Danny, the internet by its very nature is a very distracting thing. It's probably the most distracting thing in the world. Um, there's so many things on there, things to do and things to see and things to listen to. And it's difficult to keep people's attention and keep them engaged in that kind of environment. So what would you say are the keys to combating that and keeping people engaged? Um, I would say that the first key is to shed that perception. Because it's not completely true. Yes, the online environment is super busy and super cluttered. But that doesn't mean people aren't interested or willing or able to pay attention to things that are of great value to them. If you're getting their attention by being you know, loud and garish and in your face and, and doing all kinds of things that you know, they just scream, look at me, look at me, then yeah, they'll look at you for a moment because you're that shiny, flashy thing on the edge of their vision, and then they'll look away. But if they're looking at you again, you know, it comes back to the context because someone they trust says, well, you've really got to pay attention to what this person's doing. And they give you half a chance and you hold their attention by making it really valuable. Then they will want to pay attention to you. And there was a fantastic blog post that kind of echoed the same sentiment. This was um, back when Gmail introduced their... Uh, priority inbox or whatever they called it, where they sorted the marketing emails into a different tab. And this person who wrote the blog post is describing her experience when it rolled out. It's like they rolled it out and I log into my Gmail and I see it. Oh, there's another tab. And look, my marketing emails are all organized here and I can move over the ones that I like. Okay, this is interesting. And I can turn it off if I don't like it. And then all of a sudden, her inbox was flooded by marketers who are freaking out and panicking, saying, you know, you're never going to see my emails again. And for the record, we at Firepool Marketing never did anything like that. And we didn't see any problem. You know, our open rates didn't drop. Our, our attention from our audience didn't waver because people were looking forward to receiving our stuff. And so we're kind of in an environment where... If you're getting people's attention just by being loud and garish and like if you have to resort to all those stunts to get people's attention and, and so is the rest of the space, then yeah, it gets harder and harder and harder. But the technology of the space, everything is evolving to kind of funnel out all the things that are just screaming for your attention without really having earned your attention. And so if that's the boat you're in, you're going to have to work harder and harder and harder. But if you're just making stuff that people really want to see, then it's actually going to get easier and easier and easier as all of your competitors get pushed into oblivion by the systems around you. In your book, Engagement from Scratch, you tell us about the four stages of growing an online audience. Could you tell us a little bit about those four stages, please? Uh, sure. So it's in my book. It's uh, in, in the Audience Business Masterclass that we teach. It's uh, kind of, you know, it's the foundation of, of everything that we put out. So four basic stages to growing a successful audience-driven business. Um, the very base of it is building a foundation, which means you've got to know who you're going to serve, how what you're doing will be valuable to them, what you're going to put out into the world that will immediately grab their attention, not because it's loud and garish, but because it's really valuable. It speaks to something that they want and need and stick in their memory because it's memorable. And then, you know, everything that goes with actually implementing that. So a landing page and something to give away to begin the relationship and an email engagement sequence and all that. That's your foundation. The second stage is to build relationships. So what you want to do is connect with 
these are actually two sets of relationships. Relationships with the people who are going to form the core of your audience. So these are the people who are going to read your things, um, consume your ideas, and eventually buy things from you. And also relationships with your peers, with the experts and authorities in your space who whose support and, and endorsements you're going to need. So you connect with them, build relationships with them, get on their radars as someone who's doing stuff they've got to pay attention to. And by forming those two sets of core relationships and, and a good benchmark for that and you know how to go about doing all that is a little longer of a conversation. We can get into it if you want. But you kind of get to the point where you've got this core of like, let's say, a thousand subscribers. It's a good benchmark for a core of an audience. And that's when you're ready for the third stage, which is the explosive launch of your platform. So what a lot of people do that is a big mistake is they say, I want to start an online business. So they launch a blog. They put a site together. They do all this stuff. And of course, nobody knows them. Nobody cares. And so later on when they start connecting with people, oh yeah, I've had this website for a while. That's not news. And who reads it? Nobody. That's not interesting. So better to wait until you have the core of an audience, and that's when you launch your platform. All these people are excited about what you're doing. Say, well, now there's an online place where you can come and find all these great ideas. Maybe connect with each other. Maybe discover new things we're doing, depending on what you're putting out into the world. And done right, that launch multiplies your reach and exposure because people talk. People get excited. And your audience has grown now to many thousands of subscribers, and it's continuing to grow. There's a flywheel effect. And that's when you're ready for the fourth stage in the process, which is making profitable offers. So once you have a large growing audience of people who are excited about what you're doing and saying, that's when you're ready to sell stuff, and people will happily buy. So those are the four stages at a high level. Well, let's go one level deeper on the uh, the second stage, relationship building. Do you have any tips for doing that? Because I hear a lot of people talking about relationship building, you know, go and build relationships, but they don't explain specifically what they mean by that or how to do it or how to do it in a leveraged way. For sure. So let's make it super concrete. So there are three, and I'll, I'll talk about this in like strategic generalities and I'll give examples from the blogging world. But like for those who are listening who are not bloggers, don't get too hung up on the blogging examples because you can implement this in different ways in any space. So there are three tiers at a high level of what I call warm traffic. So there are tons of ways to get traffic and exposure through you know, AdWords and Facebook marketing and search engine optimization, whatever. They're all cold traffic, right? Someone is coming to you cold. Nobody has endorsed you that they trust on their way to you. And that is... I don't recommend anything like that when you're just getting started. I recommend warm traffic. Warm traffic comes in three tiers. The reality of most audiences online is that they're aggregated already. They're following people already. So you want to find those communities where they're already aggregated. And the first tier that you're going to use to kind of get involved there is just to participate in the community. So there are discussions that are already happening. So get involved in those discussions. So in the blogging world, again, here it's, it's a blogging implementation example, but you, know, it's, you can apply this just as easily on YouTube or on LinkedIn or on, uh, in forums or, or all kinds of different venues, just a different platform. In the blogging world, this would be through commenting on blogs where discussions are happening in, your, in, your, in your industry. So big blogs publish content. People weigh in with their opinions, with thoughts, with questions. So you start getting involved in those discussions on the comment section of major blogs. And 
you're not going to grow a huge audience doing that. But the really serious, and, and this is important because the most forward-leaning, the most engaged members of that community are the ones who read all the posts and all the comments. So they're the ones who are going to notice you first. They're going to form this engaged core of your audience. And they're going to click through, check out your stuff. Your subscriber list will start to grow. It won't get very big by doing this. Don't, don't be under illusions that you're going to become you know, a rock star just by you know, commenting on blog posts. It won't happen. But you will form this little core of an audience. And at the same time, the owners of those blogs will notice you. They'll say, hey, this person has interesting things to say. They have good ideas. And once that's happened, you've kind of been accepted into the community, you're a recognized face, they know who you are, that's when you're ready to, to kind of step it up a notch and start contributing to communities. So in the blogging world, that means submitting guest content that you can publish on these blogs. And it's not that hard because blogs have to publish content all the time, and they're read by a lot of people. And at the same time, you're not an unknown quantity, right? They know you. You're a part of the community because you've already earned your way in. So you submit guest content. A lot more people see your stuff, read it, click on the links, go back to your site. Your audience grows further. And that's these two strategies, these two tiers of strategies, we shall say, should bring you up to that point where you're ready to launch your blog. The, the third stage, which happens later, you really need to have built more rapport and, and earned more trust. The third stage is when you're invited to share the microphone in front of that community. So that happens usually through webinars and co-promotions and joint ventures and so forth because you've earned your way up to that level. But if we're talking strictly about the second stage in that process, it's usually participating in communities and then contributing to communities. So does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Danny. That's some great strategies there. Danny, in your book, you also talk about the, the formula for going viral. Um, honestly, it's, it's been a very long time since I wrote that down, so I, I'm not sure I'm remembering it completely. But basically, the idea is that you need something, and don't worry about the math, because obviously it's completely made-up math, and it's, <laughs> it's not a real formula. But you're going to have something awesome, truly awesome. And people think that that's going to be the, the one magic thing that's going to kind of make it all go nuts. And that's not the case. It's, it's much less impactful than people think. Yes, you need awesome content, but I think we, we reduce that to a square root just to, to kind of indicate or, or show how, 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 much, how, how much less effective it is than people think. So you do need great content. It's just not going to have a huge amount of, of traffic or, or traction as a result. You multiply that by the opportunity for virality for exposure. Um, and you need to have a critical mass in place to tip it off. So we thought of this really clever formulation, like, you know, the square root of this times the, the power of that or whatever it was. But basically the idea is you need something amazing. Um, it's not going to make as much of a difference as you think it will, but you need something amazing. You need some virality built in, some way for people to share and tell friends, and, and so there's very little friction for that to happen. And you need enough critical mass of people that you're going to kind of feed into sharing this content to begin with before it kind of is supposedly going to kick off on its own to to make it go viral. And another concept that I got from your book, Danny, was the meter of attention. Uh, I thought this is very cool. So could you share that with us, please? Yeah. So the basic idea there is that, and and I discovered this concept through doing a lot of guest posting. And the story behind that is that uh, 
you know, I first started out, I, I got a couple of guest posts that were accepted and I thought it was a fluke. I didn't realize it's actually not that hard to get a guest post accepted onto a major blog. So I thought they were flukes, but I did get good traction. So I was like, I need to do more of this. And so I approached tons of major blogs saying, I want to write for you. Made a giant list, reach out to all of them because I thought it would be a numbers game. I thought most of them would say no or ignore me. And they all said yes. And so I was suddenly under the gun having to write a ton of guest posts really fast. So I got it done, got the posts all published, and I noticed something interesting. Because I was published on all these major blogs at the same time and people got to see me all over the place at the same time, there was an interesting effect. So the meter of attention, that's where this concept comes in. If you imagine a kind of meter, when someone sees you anywhere, like you're, they're exposed to you or your message, they, you kind of shoot up on that meter of attention. And then over time, you're slowly dropping back down, dropping back down. But if they see you over and over and over, you shoot up and then higher up and then higher up. And there's a threshold below which you're kind of below the, the range of their consciousness. So you shoot up and drop back down, shoot up, drop back down. But once you shoot up high enough past that threshold, where it's like now they've actually, quote unquote, noticed you, you're in their consciousness, from then on, it gets a lot easier. So that, that's kind of the idea there. And, and the meter of attention is just a visual metaphor to help people get their heads around it. The idea is that you want to show up on people's radars enough times in rapid succession to kind of break into that space where they recognize you. Awesome. Okay, Danny, so let's talk about how this applies to some specific platforms now. First of all, let's talk about how to build an audience and engage an audience using a blog. A lot of the time, I'll read great content on a blog, but there doesn't seem to be much going on at the blog. You know, No one's sharing or commenting, and I'm left wondering why, because it was good content. So how can we have an active, engaged blog? Well, I mean, let's first of all be clear about what real goals are, because sharing and commenting can be vanity metrics. Right? They, they feel good when you get them, but they're not actually going to drive your business. And given the choice, I'd much rather have a thousand people read and enjoy and appreciate a blog post and maybe reply to emails telling them about it than having 50 people share the post, and that's the extent of the engagement. So engagement can be public. It can also be private. Um, so the key is not to have shares and comments. It's to get people to read, consume, and interact in some way, shape, or form with what you're putting out into the world. Um, now the formula that I shared, it's because the core of what we teach is primarily applied to blogging, even though you can port it to other platforms. So those steps really apply very directly to, to the blogging world, right? You figure out who you're going to serve and what you're going to provide and all that good stuff. You figure out your foundations. You don't actually launch with a blog. You launch with a landing page where people can opt in, give you their name and email address in exchange for a taste of what you're providing and ex because they're interested in hearing more about what you're bringing out. So they do that, and then you start doing all your outreach, first participating in communities and contributing to communities, and people click on links and go back and check out your landing page and opt in. And when you get to the point that you have a 1,000 subscribers, you launch your blog, and you've got a lot of people there who are interested and engaged, so they click through and they check out your blog post, and they do share and they do tell people, and your audience grows further, and it just kind of spirals all the way up. So it applies actually very directly to blogging. There's not a lot of porting that, uh, <laughs> that has to happen. So how about the same question applied to your email list? How do you make sure that you don't end up getting lost in that promotions tab and people will eventually stop reading your emails? How can we make sure that doesn't happen? First of all, you publish really good stuff. Um, everything else 
all the tactics, all the strategies, all the techniques, if you're not publishing stuff that people want to read because it's both entertaining and valuable and impactful for their business, you're going to lose them, right? Like you can do all the tricks to keep their attention. If, if at the end of the day, it's just not worth their time to pay attention, ultimately they won't. So that's the first thing. As long as you've got good content, the rule is simple. First of all, publish as often as you can. Email them as often as you possibly can, as long as it's always really good stuff. People have this idea that you know, the audience, the world doesn't like email. And so I don't want to email very much because I don't want to bother them. Well, you shouldn't see your emails as an intrusion or as something that bothers them. If, if it is, they should unsubscribe. They shouldn't be a part of your community anyway. But if they're getting value out of what you have to say, as they should be, they should want to hear from you more. And if they hear from you very rarely, every time they do, it's like, oh, who's this again? You know, what, well, I haven't heard from them in a while, and I've been okay, so you know, I clearly don't need them. So you want to become kind of a welcome guest in their inbox. Mail them frequently as long as it's always good stuff. And at the end of every email, should, there should always be a call to action. But when I say that, you know, marketers always take that to mean sell something. That's not true. Call to action means there should be an invitation for them to engage in some way, shape, or form. And that can mean replying to the email and telling you something that they think. It can mean clicking through and reading something that you published for them. It can be listening to your podcast. It can be registering to attend an event. It can be sharing with a friend. Always ask them to do something that is in their best interest to do. And the more people get used to reading your stuff and consuming your content and engaging with it and interacting with it, the more present and engaged in the relationship with you they're going to be. Brilliant. How about social networks? Is that the same principles being applied there or does it work differently on social networks? The principles are the same. Um, I think a big challenge that people have with the concept of engagement today is that engagement, when it first came out, I mean, we're talking about the idea of one-to-many engagement, which hasn't existed before kind of the world of social media. There was one-to-one engagement, and there was one-to-many broadcast through broadcast mediums. But bi-directional engagement on a one-to-many basis is new. It's only recently technology allowed us to do that. And because specific technologies allowed us to do that, in the very initial stages, the the possibility of one-to-many engagement didn't exist independent of those technologies. And a good a good parallel to this is if you think of electricity. Okay, way back in the day when electricity was first invented as something that we have access to as a consumer to public to to power our devices as consumers, it was probably a big deal. I would imagine people say, you know, electricity-powered lights and electricity-powered whatever, like electricity-powered would have been a big deal. But we've kind of reached a point where saying electricity-powered is, re- is redundant. It's like, duh, yes. And, and that's what happens to a technology platform. It kind of it becomes invisible and fades into the background. And social media, as it is maturing it's kind of doing the same thing. Like it doesn't matter if you engage with people on Facebook or via email or on Twitter or whatever. The the technologies are just, they're the ones that happen to be there in the moment. And maybe tomorrow it'll be a different technology. And yes, obviously people interact differently. They expect to interact differently on different media. Just like we have, you know, we expect people to communicate with us differently on a phone call versus in a text message versus in an email. And that's just you adapting to, 
what is appropriate in terms of communication, what fits in terms of communication in that medium. But fundamentally, people don't engage differently. Engagement is something that happens on a person-to-person level, and it's the same psychology at work. So the more people can disconnect from getting stuck in the technology and think more about people connecting and what makes sense on that level, the easier it gets. And the technology kind of takes care of itself. Um, My final question was about podcasts. I know you have a very successful podcast yourself called Connect, Engage, Inspire. Are there any rules for podcasting, like uh, frequency or how long the show should be, anything like that, or does that uh, not matter so much? Um, So in terms of engagement, no. In terms of success with a podcast, yes. So there's two different things, right? Engagement is about publishing something people want and listen to and then act on at the end of. And as long as you're publishing stuff that people will want and they will enjoy and they will listen to and uh, as in there's enough good value there and it's not a waste of their time, it all works. That's if you want people to engage with your, your content. If you want to grow your listenership, then it gets more complicated because you're playing on somebody else's sandbox, somebody else's platform. In this case, it's iTunes. Right? iTunes is the primary driver of new podcast discovery. So the first question there is, what are you trying to do with your podcast? If it's another channel to reach the people you're already reaching, another modality of connecting with them, then yes, it doesn't matter what the reach and frequency and you know, length and all that kind of stuff is. If you want people to discover you through iTunes, if that's a part of why you're doing it, then you have to think about what is iTunes looking for. And one of the key metrics that iTunes tracks is number of downloads in the last two days. So if you have a weekly podcast, the arc that they're going to see is a spike, which looks great. So that's pay, they pay attention to that. But most of the week looks like a crash after the spike until the next spike the next seven days. So I, to iTunes, that doesn't look like a successful podcast. So if you want something that's working, and they're looking for a vector of growth. So what you're going to need if you want to leverage iTunes as a platform to grow is you're going to need enough critical mass to get it traction up front in terms of subscribers, downloads, ratings, reviews, etc. You're going to need a publishing frequency that is frequent enough that you're not going to have long crashes in terms of that very short time cycle that, that iTunes is looking for, and a way of feeding people into it on an ongoing basis till it has enough traction to kind of pick up and grow by itself. But that's if you're... Again, you've got to understand the technology in the sense that you've got to know how does it line up with what you're trying to do. But if your goal is just to engage with people, and this is kind of the, the technology layer in between, you don't have to worry about all that. Sure. Well, Danny, thank you so much for all those amazing tips that you've given us today. Uh, where can we go to get more of this kind of stuff from you? Um, first of all, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I, I sincerely hope this has been valuable for the people who've carved time out of their day to hear what we have to say. Um, if anyone wants to learn more about the stuff that I teach, go to firepolemarketing.com. That's fire, F-I-R-E. Pole is P-O-L-E, as in the pole you slide down in the fire station, not the pole where you're standing on a street corner and asking questions. <laughs> and marketing.com. And uh, we have a ton of stuff there. We have over 500 super rich articles and we have an engagement toolbox full of great stuff, which is all free, including my book and my manifesto and, and a dozen different special reports and expert Q&A with me and a video course on how to get more cash out of your business and all kinds of really great stuff. So 
firepolemarketing.com, look around, explore, see what strikes your fancy and helps you out. And if you do have any more questions, just shoot me an email, danny, D-A-N-N-Y, at firepolemarketing.com. And uh, if, there, if I can be of help to you, I'd be happy to try. And where can we find your podcast, Danny, if anyone wants to listen to it? Uh, it's called Connect, Engage, Inspire. Um, and you can find the feed of it, of, of all the episodes, if you go to firepolemarketing.com slash podcast. Or uh, I think it's at Fire... I, actually, I'm not sure if that's the URL. Just go to firepolemarketing.com, click on the podcast link at the top. Awesome. That's the end of today's show. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please support the show by subscribing and leaving us a positive review on iTunes. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.